Welcome to Explaining Albania with me, Alice Taylor. To be honest, I was going to give it a rest over the summer because we are sweltering here in Tirana and it's too hot to think, let alone talk. But when I stumbled across the super cool initiative on Instagram, led by the Pink Movement in Albania and an Albanian woman living in New York, Meggy Jamali, I knew I had to do an interview. So I've managed to find the energy despite it being like 700 degrees outside. And I am bringing Meggie to you today to discuss a wonderful, heartwarming and much needed initiative going on between Albania and the diaspora in America. Hello, Meggie. Thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, this is a podcast, so you can't see, but Meggie looks absolutely fantastic today. So thank you for joining me. Could you take a moment to introduce yourself, please? Thank you so much for having me. Um, my name is Maggie Jamali, and I'm one of the founders of Books for Albania. Um, we, uh, as a collective, there's a bunch of us hiding in a uh, around the world um, <laughs> who are doing this and uh, it's super beautiful it's something that we've kind of uh, have this beautiful formula where we raise the funds here in New York and the girls back home just use the funds to the best advantage possible mm-hmm. um, and uh, I'm very proud of it. it it just works yes and I love what we're doing but first I want to know about you you're Albanian, you live in New York. Tell me a bit about your story. Um, yes, I am Albanian. I am what you call a Chorb Albanian. I am from all over Albania and greater Albania. Um, my maternal side is from Kosovo and Montenegro. And mm-hmm. my paternal side is all from Southern Albania. And some way, somehow both my parents got together in Shkodr and uh, had me there. So I always say I'm from Shkodr, <laughs> but technically I'm from everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been in New York for about 25 years. Uh, our family is, is doing well here. Um, we are very, we're very simple people. We're very simple people, just like we were back home. Um, mm-hmm. I have a little bit of a cooking gig that I have with a few celebrities here. Um, wow. Of course, there are no pictures because I'm under strict NDAs. Which yes. doesn't really help to say, you know, <laughs> oh yeah, I cook for celebrities. So it's like it's a it's a very humble brag that way. Yeah, yeah. that's brag. awesome. Do you cook Albanian food for them? Yes, yes. Wow. Yes. It uh, it's funny how it started. It started because I live in the neighborhood where they live, mm-hmm. um, luckily, um, and their caterer got stuck in traffic in New York traffic. They mm-hmm. were scramming because they had like ten people over. I had made. I had made burek that day and my doorman and their doorman were, were talking about this little horrible thing that they're going through. They don't have food up there and they could have just easily had takeout, but of course they didn't want takeout. And so, well, Maggie cooks. And that's where <laughs> literally wow. my Instagram started as Maggie cooks. Uh-huh. So, uh, <laughs> so I went, I saved the day with uh, our shepherd salad and the burek with spinach. Beautiful, some of the best Albanian food. Absolutely. Do you miss home? Do you miss home? Um, I do, I do. I really miss home. I miss the food. I miss the culture. Mm-hmm. I miss the people. Some of the people. <laughs> <laughs> I just, look, you know what happens when you're an immigrant? What happens is, I left Albania in 1996. In my brain, 
Albania should still look like 1996 and the people mm-hmm. should still be like in 1996. So every time I go, I have a culture clash with my own culture. Like, mm-hmm. why are you guys moving so fast? But they're yes. just living like I'm living over here. Yes. Hey, I'm an immigrant as well. If I'm an immigrant as well, if you put me back in in the UK, I wouldn't have a clue what was going on. I wouldn't know. You know, it's been so long since I've lived there. Everyone's everyone does things a lot differently. I've lived in the Mediterranean for 15 years nearly, so I'm very I'm very um, accustomed to the Mediterranean Albanian sort of way of doing things, and I'd just be completely lost if you plonked me down in the middle of central London. So I, I can I can identify that. Uh, with that to a certain extent <laughs> yeah and something else that happens is that because we don't have our own culture like we're not in our own land we feel like we have to really take care of whatever culture is left in mm-hmm. us or around us so we're trying to basically gung-ho I'm Albanian like trying to tell everyone about it mm-hmm. while you go back home and everybody's naming their kid like you know, Western names, names that don't make sense to us uh-huh. here. Like both mm-hmm. my daughter's names are Albanian names. Mm-hmm. My friend's kids, I won't say 90% have Alba- very Albanian names. And I'm like, what's happening back home? No one has an Albanian name. I'd actually heard this before, just sort of through my years of being here, that um, in the diaspora, there tends to be, I don't know if conservative is the right word, but they cling to the culture a lot more. They stick to it a lot more. Whereas in Albania, things are changing. Things are becoming maybe slightly more liberal in certain areas, but this isn't the case in the US particularly. People are very rigid with their sort of traditions and origins. But the, but it's not, it is that. Predominantly mm-hmm. is that. But there's also, I don't want to say this word, but I, I, my brain is like, doesn't want to let me... <laughs> not say it uh it's a little bit of stupidity as well and i'll tell Mm -hmm. you an example the perfect example which is my favorite example to give because it is very it's horrible i went to get my hair done in shkoder and i said um oh my cousins were bragging about oh she's from new york it's like it's a big thing if you have somebody outside the country i prefer if they don't say anything they'll end up knowing i'm from somewhere else because i don't speak it at the same rhythm and pattern as they do Mm -hmm. um I was like, oh, this is my cousin from New York, blah, blah, blah. And the lady goes, oh, you're from New York? I'm like, yeah. She's like, then you would love my son's name. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, what is your son's name? She goes, bread. And I'm like, what? She said bread. And I said, I'm like, your son's name is bread? She's like, yeah, bread. And I said, "Um," I'm like, are you sure? (laughs) It's my son. His name is Brad Pitt. And I said, what? No. <laughs> Your son's name is Brad Pitt. And I don't want to say their last name, but it's a very Albanian last name. Yeah. I said, you even put his last name as like a middle name? She goes, yeah. How would you know that his name is Brad? I said, well, you also have to say it Brad. Because <laughs> Brad means book. And she's like, oh. I was like, wow. Like, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. I was just like, this is just <laughs> Were you sort of screaming inside like, <laughs> when you heard it? My blood it. was boiling. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm amazed there's some kid running around Northern Albania called Bread Pit. <laughs> 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 no disrespect to little bread, but it's... Uh, I'm sorry, I wish bread, you luck. Your mom... Yeah, we're sorry. Blame <laughs> <laughs> your mom. So you're, you have this, this, this initiative, Books for Albania. How did this start? What inspired you? 
So I was following the pink movement girls mm-hmm. and uh, I loved, I loved the, how they were champions of feminism. I mm-hmm. loved everything they were doing. Everything was just, I would watch them to get motivated. And I'm like, wow, these girls are a lot younger than me and are just managing to like kick butt while like just running this beautiful page. Mm-hmm. And then I would just check out their numbers. I would just check out how things are. And it was very interactive. People like the girls who were on it and were looking for advice or whatever they were looking for from the page or even just a way out of whatever is going on at home. Mm-hmm. They were really interactive and they were really perceptive of what they were saying. And they loved where the page was shifting and moving. And it was all towards education, all towards it was literally emancipate yourself through education. That's, that's their motto. Yes. And I'm like, I've never had the word emancipate in my head with education, like put together. Mm-hmm. So now that was just like stuck in my brain that way. So one day I stumbled through their live and they were talking about books that changed their mentality in some way or their mindset. And I'm like, okay, I like this. And most of the books I had read and they were all like recent New York Times bestsellers and just came out a year or two ago and I'm like wait Albania has recent books like I didn't even know like sometimes sometimes we come with that ignorance from here like oh it trickled there as well like people have this need and want to read and learn Mm -hmm. um so I I was listening to this uh uh their live and I contact Leolida like within an hour after listening. And I said, listen, I said, I want to contribute to the Pink Movement somehow. Can I send you some money, buy these books and just give them away? Like just do a random giveaway. Mm-hmm. And she replied, she was like, mm, let me think about this. And I'm like, okay. She's like, no. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Um, I was like, this is weird. Who says no to free stuff? But yeah. her counter was like so beautiful to me. And it really like made me give you even more respect. She said, look at what we're going to do. Instead of just giving away a hundred books, these latest titles, we're going to start a library where more girls get to just borrow it. So you borrow it, you give it back, mm-hmm. you borrow, give it back. So it's literally out of the trunk of their car, out of their bags throughout Tirana, they were just meeting people here and they're just giving out these books. It started Amazing. so like literally on the ground this was grassroots at its finest and uh, yes. it was so beautiful they took the initiative to do this yes I sent some funds to get this to get these books but the hard work and labor was all done in Albania by the team mm-hmm. they are proving themselves that they are capable of running this doing this being bigger being better giving me full trust like just I just trusted them immediately and they would send me pictures like hey this person got a book this time and it would raise my morale and I'm like how can we do more we need more and this is where it started to grow so what's happening now uh so we have about 10 libraries up um they are scattered throughout Albania Mm -hmm. um with donations that we've gotten here uh we put the school that's in most need will get a library with a hundred books. That's just mm-hmm. how, that's the deal of, uh, that's what it's boiled down to. Um, right now we're kind of, we're prepping, I think about seven more libraries for the school year that's coming up. And 
so July and August was kind of a wash because school, schools are closed. Yeah. Um, even though it really wasn't a wash, we managed to fund full science books and uh, science posters and models for a school in Kostova, the Lena Jika school. Mm-hmm. So we like, I guess we forget how much we're doing because we're just like, keep it moving, keep it moving. Next, next. So from from giving out books sort of out of a bag on the street to friends and things like that, it's transformed into a very structured and quite far reaching initiative in a short Absolutely. time. Absolutely, in a very short time. And I guess it's very hard to put into words because of how big it is and how mm-hmm. short of a span it happened. Um, so it's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, we also did this. And I forget all the things we do. So we kind of have, thing that we have Instagram to just post it to like, even let us see what we're doing. Cause as you're moving and doing, you don't get to really, you know, me, she, you, we say like, like mm-hmm. to like really sit back and like, see what you did. Cause you're just, yes. you just keep wrapped it moving, up in keep it. it moving. Yes. That's amazing. And what's the reaction been like? Like you've gone into sort of communities all around the country. What is the reaction on the ground from other girls and women been? So because a lot of the girls are followers of the pink movement, they're so excited to finally meet these girls who they were listening to mm-hmm. at first. Amazing. So it's kind of like meeting uh, an idol. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, so they trust these girls they trust their advice they know it's coming from a good place and it really truly is I I absolutely love I love opening up my feed and seeing their stuff because it does brighten my day um they love that they are fine they finally see books in schools there was a school that had 200 students but only 10 books in their library wow so the kids don't even pass by the library because they what are they going to go look at cobwebs like 10 books that's crazy isn't it so them seeing all these new books and, and us replenishing when, you know, if like a book is missing or things aren't, you know, a book is damaged, we'll replenish new books constantly with the schools. We need to be in full contact with the schools. And so these are, them. these books, I mean, what topics are they on? It, it's not just feminism. What, what, are, what sort of topics are you covering with these books? We're covering all topics. We're trying mm-hmm. to have at least like the, Biblioteca Ming, it has four rows of books. We try to have two or three of those rows to be books that they need for school. These mm-hmm. are schools in, uh, in poverty. Yes. Students cannot afford these books. Mm-hmm. So alleviating that, they, they come early in the morning to read that book or stay late from school to read that book. They coordinate with each other to just fix that gap that leaves them behind. Mm-hmm. So now they don't have that gap. Mm-hmm. So three quarters of the books are sort of ones they need for their studies and others, the, the other leftover are ones that would interest them in other topics. Other ones that we love, love to put on there are self-development books, mm-hmm. because this is something as a culture we don't really do. It was kind of like mm-hmm. whatever your parents did, you kind of would do and everything would just trickle down in your family lineage. So now it, with this newfound democracy that we don't know how to handle is, hey, we actually have to like self-help. We have to self-develop. We have to fix ourselves and then we can fix around. So this mm-hmm. is kind of a new thing for us. So yes. we try our hardest to have those self-development books, psychology books, anything in the sociology, anything in, um, in a way that helps you help, you know, everything around you. 
That's amazing. And what has the reaction of the schools been? I can just imagine, you know, a group of girls, women turning up at a school like, hey, we want to give you some books. And the school just being like, what? <laughs> how well, yeah. how have they? <laughs> it, it's, uh, it's start, so the first school that we picked was the Ioana's and Leolida's uh, high school and junior high. Mm-hmm. So we know the principal. This is a great way to start the initiative. I know they need books. I said, okay, you guys are on the ground. I trust you. I know you know what you're doing. And uh, they went to the school. The school was so grateful, so happy. The kids were so excited. And then we kind of do the little promo reels of like, you know, filling up the the, um, little biblioteca. So they want to be part of it. And they they can't wait to like be seen with these books. And they write to us and say, hey, we we just read this book off of there. it's it's very positive it's actually so beautiful it's so motivating and i i love it I, even though i'm here and not doing it on the ground i really wish i was there yes. doing it. yeah i think the pandemic put a bit of a spanner in that plan didn't it <laughs> oh yes i'm having major fomo basically yeah <laughs> now you raise money from the us how is that amongst the albanian community there or is it sort of community in general how do you go about positioning the project so, so far it's been amongst the Albanian community because mm-hmm. it just started and it just kind of went very fast. Um, I am hoping to broaden the scope because now that our name is being known a little bit and schools are hearing about us, they're writing to us. They're telling us mm-hmm. their needs. They're sending us pictures of what need, you know, what needs help. Like we sent a school, we sent a library in a school in uh, Beltoy, Shkoder, mm-hmm. which is an out, in the outskirts of uh, the city. The girls called me, it was 3 a.m. here, by the way. So they're calling me and I'm like, something's wrong, oh my God. It's 9 a.m. in Albania, they call me. She's like, I have to tell you something. I said, what is it? She goes, I don't want you to like get emotional. I said, I'm like, what, just what is it? It's 3 a.m. She's like, we're sending books here, she said. But I think the initiative needs to expand and and do more. I said, "What, what do you mean? She's like, look, there's no windows. They need windows. And I'm like, I'm like, what do you mean there's no windows? Like nobody thinks of this. Insane. But people have just been living that way. And and it is in a way culturally ingrained where make do with what you have. Don't ask yes. kind of thing. Just mm-hmm. make do with what you have, do your best, and that's it. And I think to myself, how are these kids studying in the north in the winter with no windows? Mm-hmm. Like who's sending their kids to school like that? This is quite common. My friend, a very good friend of mine, actually raised money to rebuild a school in Scrapa because the kids were going to school with, there was no heating, no fire, no windows, holes in the roof, um, like barely any electricity that, you know, if, if it was there, it would come and go very quickly. And I have reported as well on even in Elbasan and villages around there as well, similar conditions, no water, no proper toilets, no electricity, holes in the wall, you know, plast- chunks of plaster falling off the ceiling in the middle of lessons. Stuff. This is a huge, oh, it goes beyond books, doesn't it? I mean, it's a, yeah. it's a huge issue. I, I, I find, you know, we talk about EU integration and how Albania is improving and, and that's great and it's true. But there is so much more than just what's in Tirana. You know, when you go to these, when you go to these far flung villages and areas, you know, I've been really humbled and shocked by some of the things I've seen um, in terms of the way people are living. And but they don't complain about it. It's like you said, they they make do 
with it and mm -hmm. I find that I find that really sad it's, um, yeah so when I go back home and I, I complain about something or I say this isn't right or I need cold water or I need this like any need that I may express that is out of the norm over there which is not the make do mentality is me being pretentious or it's me being spoiled or a rotten American or whatever it is mm. and I'm like do you guys know that water is a basic right yeah like there's like yeah. It, and and I'm, I'm very, I'm literally a simpleton. So it's like, I know I'm not asking for much, but whatever mm -hmm. it is that I'm asking for, it's something that they just kind of like pivot around mm -hmm. and just make do. And I'm like, guys, it's not okay. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that um, Albania is not Tirana. And I constantly have to like tell and remind people that mm -hmm. because like even when they go back home they'll visit their village or wherever they come from for maybe a day or two and then spend their time in Tirana mm -hmm. and they're like oh well I wasn't Tirana and everything was fine I wasn't Tirana and there and I saw gay rights and I'm like no 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 you weren't Tirana that mm -hmm. does not count you were not in Albania yeah. if you were in Tirana and when I go to Albania I constantly avoid Tirana I may be there mm -hmm. one day just because <laughs> I think we can narrow it down even even further like within Tirana you know the center of Tirana is one thing but when you get out towards the outskirts and certain urban areas you know again that's a completely different story you have people living in horrendous conditions people without electricity and water for most of the day mm -hmm. or very intermittently um so yeah it's this bubble within the center of Tirana which is sort of okay and then everything else is highly problematic um so in albania we're going to talk about feminism um i've heard people say you know there's never been a real feminist wave in albania um it it hasn't quite happened yet etc for sort of various reasons but there are quite a few active feminist groups within the country all doing different things you know you've got the sort of quite hardline feminists which do all the protests organize sort of protests in front of the prime minister's office and demonstrations Yes, and things like this project as well, which is which is fantastic. But how do you see things progressing? Because the way I see it is you have all these people fighting different battles, but with the same aim, but they're not doing it together. That's true. They are not doing it together. I think that Albania as a culture here and there, literally as it's going through a renaissance, it's going through a crazy change because it has to. What mm. has been happening in Albania? 90s to now we are not going to really educate our sons we're just going to tell them to leave the country make as much money as they can and it's all like hard labor because mm -hmm. they're not getting educated but hey we, we're able to feed our family we're able to build this house or do this or do that let's just do this to our sons basically basically you neglected your sons mm -hmm. that's what you did you did not raise your sons to a full age like even my husband he left his home at 13 years old to wow. go hard labor to Greece, from Greece to uh, England, and then came back. Uh, then I brought him to New York, but um, he provided for his family. Same thing with his brothers. But can you imagine mm -hmm. at 13 years old, this is, I want to say majority of Albanian sons from age 13 to 18, they had to get out. They didn't finish mm -hmm. their education. They just did hard labor, came back home. Contrary to what's happening with the girls, because and not all girls because of these social standards and things all right you'll just finish the high school or eighth grade so they had a little mm -hmm. bit more education throughout the years it was just added on more and more and more now you look at the numbers there are more 
women who are educated with uh, university diplomas and then mm-hmm. men. But then there's a hatred on the men's side, like, oh, well, once you're married, I've got you and covered and blah, blah, blah. But they're like, wait, why did I waste my time going to school mm-hmm. and becoming self-sufficient? So it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of a tight spot because you can't hold this culture norm of I'll take care of you, I'll do this. When everything now is digitized, when everything now is knowledge-based. Mm-hmm. So now we need this woman to go to work because she did the, the things that she needed to do to get there. So this is where the Renaissance is, is, is at right now. We're trying to balance what's happening. And this is happening in, in New York with Albanians here too. Like mm-hmm. my friend, my friend's wages are triple her husband's, but his family and him say, no, if you go to work, you'll make him look bad. So, <laughs> and she was like, so I should have my kids not live and like literally the best life they can because I can provide because mm-hmm. of your ego. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's like, it's such a crappy place to be. Um, but it's where we're at right now. I mean, how do you see that resolving? Um, at least with my friend's case, what happened was when she stopped working because she was having kids, they felt it economically in, in such mm-hmm. a way where he's like, you know what? I'll just be a stay-at-home dad. It is what it is. Because wow. how, how do you expect to provide for these kids? Once those diapers start you know, piling up, and formal life, if you're not lucky to ha- have breastfed or, or not lucky, but you know, it's, it's a choice. If you can't, yeah, yeah. If you can't, um, those bills and, and living in New York is so expensive. You know, it is what it is. You have to make do. Yes. What happens is that there is no proper balance with them going to work and then coming back home and still working. And mm-hmm. still the jobs at home are not divided. Yeah. So this is where the problem lies so we have to make life skills Mm non-gendered you cooking is you feeding yourself just just providing for yourself as well not just you know a woman's job I agree um you know a lot resonates with me as well you know I went back to work sort of three days after I gave birth because I had to um okay I'm working from home but and then now I'm sort of stuck in this cycle of um, I have to I need childcare, so I have to I need childcare so I can work. Now to pay for the childcare I have to work. So but then to take on more work I have to have more childcare which I then have to pay for. So I have to take on more work but then I need more child. You see this constant cycle going around, and all the meanwhile I'm feeling incredibly guilty because I'm not spending yes. enough time with my daughter. Yeah, and this exactly. is just the most crushing thing you know it really really you're stuck in this cycle and then you're suddenly like what about me (laughs) when do I get a break oh wait I need to feed this person or the cat's Mm -hmm. thrown up on the floor or my daughter is trying to shave the cat or you know you're just constantly (laughs) (laughs) this is (laughs) this is my life you know and it it is very difficult but I'm not Albanian but yeah just sort of um to to show solidarity there with this struggle that we that we all face. I mean, this is crossing cultural lines. It's not just in Albania. Like I'm here in the in the in New York, where I have everyone, like every mm-hmm. nation, as my friend, and it's basically the same thing. Aside from America, 
and Western Europe, the whole world is the same. It functions the same, it runs the same, the same politicians, like everything is the same. Like I talked to my friend from Dominican Republic, we have the same struggles, no lights, no yes. water, no proper educations in our country. Like it's the same thing everywhere else. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this topic resonates with the whole world and like essentially. But, you know, I was I was at a wedding in North Macedonia recently and um, one of the sort of older women of the family someone someone's cousin's aunt or something you know and I was there with my daughter and I I we couldn't stay for the entire sort of six day event or whatever it was so and I I said oh we have to go back because I have to work and she just sort of asked me well you have a kid why did you go back to work why didn't you stay home and look after her and I swear to god (laughs) I it took every ounce of composure I have to really just walk away from that situation you know because we I don't have a choice it's very um, triggering it's very triggering because you know mm -hmm. you're you're like you're busting your butt to like do all these things and provide for these kids and it's like how like how do you say that and then you have to just collect your thoughts and just say, okay, she's coming from a place of not knowing what's happening right now. Because yeah, in this day and world, like in this day and age, this is just, that's not okay. Yes. But even with like, even with my own parents, mm-hmm. my mom goes, do you think this is a good idea for you to like take right now? You just had a baby. And I'm like, what does that have to do with it? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what does that have to do with it? She's like, yeah. well, don't you want to just like worry about the baby and stay with the baby? I'm like, how much like staring at the baby can I do all day? <laughs> without wanting to like jump out the window people forget that we have these needs and wants that we want to do something for the world or or contribute in some way yeah yeah. but if I'm not contributing to my living room it doesn't mean anything like to me of what I'm doing like my daughter was five days old and she came early and um, she was three weeks early. So I was scheduled to speak at this media event about mm-hmm. the situation of media freedom in Albania and the struggles. And, you know, I'd been planning for this and hoping that these international organizations would come to Albania for about a year. So it was huge. And it would have, I would have been heavily pregnant at the time, but she came early. I had to have an emergency C-section early. early. And my daughter, after she was born, just slept and ate and that was it she didn't cry she just she was like the perfect baby and so I started writing again a couple of days afterwards because I like I said I can't just sit and stare at her for sort of 18 hours a day you know um but then I thought well I feel okay I had a c-section but I was not in very much pain or anything and I contacted the organizers of this event and I said okay crazy question can I come and speak like I've just had a bit but can I bring her is it okay and the, the woman organizer was like, yes, this is amazing, you know? Um, so I did, I strapped her in a carrier and I went and I sort of hobbled up, you know, post C-section um, and I did my thing with my daughter asleep on me. And some people were like, you're crazy. You should have stayed at home. And I'm like, my life doesn't stop. And I couldn't, I would have just been sat at home staring at her, like you said, you know, going yeah. crazy being annoyed that I'd missed out on this opportunity so why not why not go and do it you know and it was great I'm happy I did can you imagine this is what's happening to the world Mm. so we've been uh we've been at least the last 50 to 100 years been doing it all 
as mm -hmm. much as we can, just piling it on, piling it on, where it's become like a, an evolution, an evolutionary need for us to do a lot. Like, even if you look at, I mean, it's a, it's a silly uh, comparison, but the woman's a grip, how we're mm -hmm. able to just carry so many things because we didn't have pockets, mm -hmm. contrary to the man where he just put his hands in his pocket, put everything in there, where we're carrying our cell phone, our cup of coffee, our pens, everything, just a baby, <laughs> you know, like all in one hand while, while yeah, carrying yeah. the other, like, it's just insane how we are shifting as humans. Mm -hmm. It's actually very beautiful, but it's making us stronger. And yes. uh, now it's undeniable for our Renaissance and here's our time. Now, I want to ask you, I know as a woman and as a journalist, you know, I could post anything on Facebook and there's always a man who's going to pop up and explain it to me or call me a bitch or, you know, it happens. Has there been any reaction like this, any negativity from men sort of towards this project and the pink movement and what's what's going on? Well, two separate, I have to divide into little separate uh uh, little things um mm -hmm. towards the books for Albion project no uh, we, right. i'm mostly very very good um just good conversations all around even people that have kind of positions in power and Albion have reached out and said good things made a lot of empty promises but still mm -hmm. it was all positive that's like, great I, like even if it's empty promises i'll take it yeah like, yeah you know at least they said was, something you know <laughs> exactly at least it was you know everything was good Mm -hmm. regarding the pink movement which is a feminist movement in Albania they get a lot yeah they get a lot even like our offices that just opened uh, in Tiran Tech Fresco, School um for some reason uh someone was uh concerned about what we are doing there mind mm -hmm. you there's a huge sign that says Biblioteca I make it and it's all in pink mm -hmm. and he's like what does pink mean you know the word pink what it means and we're like, it's a color. He's like, no, 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 you know what pink means. And I'm like, is he thinking Victoria's Secret pink? Like, what is he thinking? Yeah. Like, what does he think we do here? And he's like, and then there's like motivational sayings on the stairs. And they're saying, uh, it was something about uh, basically, like, just live your life, enjoy your life. Mm -hmm. He's like, what do you mean? Should I come over there and enjoy my life over there? And, and Leonardo was like, what do you mean? Do you want to come enjoy your life with a 10-year-old this day? Like, are you insane? This is just women, young girls, young kids, just reading books. Yeah, yeah. He was just took such offense to the word pink and like these motivational things towards women. Wow. But he was also a religious man and our, our place is literally in front of the Jamia over there. Mm -hmm. So he's like, we have books. You don't need to have books. And our books have nothing to do with religion. And even... I've collected this just this past uh, three months, four months, four or five months. We've mm -hmm. collected 10,000 books here in New York. Wow. And we've shipped, we're, we're slowly <sighs> shipping them in little batches because like a funding, but yeah, they're getting there. Wow, and that's amazing. With donations, the number one thing is if I see any book that is religious, it's out. I am not yeah, sending yeah. this. Book. Of course. There's a no know. religion that is dividing us back home with mm -hmm. culture slathered on top that I do not need to send any more religious books. I of do not course. need anything like this. I, I want everything business oriented, psychology, sociology, just anything that makes mm -hmm. us better and, and anything that we lack as a people. So I want to fill those gaps. I don't want 
any uh any more religious stuff especially because it just historically what has yes you know killed us really yes and, and our culture that so i can't I, take- I can't i can't believe you took offense to the color pink and to <laughs> i mean have we ever got to the bottom of what the color pink means according to him or honestly like the, cause it's, <laughs> on, it's on video but, but um it just I just felt like he was trying to say vagina but would say we're saying pink and I'm like and I have to give props to Jolita because she was so composed she was so good and I'm like I think I would have been savage on this guy like how dare uh-huh. you like how yes. dare you and I'm like and in my head I'm like how scared are your vaginas like what is wrong with you mm-hmm. like what, what is your problem alas we've diverged to a whole other topic now but <laughs> that's it's 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 really sad it's crazy that someone can find something uh, offensive or some reason to criticize or whatever giving books to children and to young people that need them you know it's um that somebody could find an issue with that I find quite staggering so props to her for keeping her composure because like you I think I would have lost the plot yeah and like (laughs) you I just thought of something um I was talking to a guy that is very highly educated here and he wanted to help with the initiative and raise money, blah, blah, blah. I said, oh, thank you so much for like reaching out. In my head, I'm like, oh my God, an Albanian man reaching out. Like it was a big thing in my head. Yeah. And then he's like, uh, tell me what you've been doing so far. So I send him all videos and pictures of these little bibliotecas going up everywhere and little reels that we post. And he's like, me and my family would like to do this um, in such and such place. I said, oh yeah, absolutely. I, I don't have anything there yet. He's like, do the libraries have to be pink? I said, um, no, not technically. I said, but we're trying to have the biggest library in Albania and greater Albania. So mm-hmm. I need them to look the same. So that's kind of our brand right now. Yes. And he's like, oh, I'm like, do you take offense to the color? I said, I think we're, you know, we're past that. I said, no. And this is the guy that was born here. Like I wasn't born mm-hmm. here. So sometimes I feel like immigrant mentality wise I can get away with something not really but when you're born here and your parents are also born here it's just shocking to me that how culturally how much you kept some of that weird culture stuff mm-hmm. the ones that keep us behind at least like but to ask me about a color pink? what was his issue with pink he thinks they might alienate the boys and I said if the boys oh. are scared of the color pink they're not going to make it in life well, yeah, I mean, there's so many, there's so many things wrong with that. Colors do not have a sex or a gender. If a boy cannot walk into a room with that's painted pink, then he has bigger problems than the color pink. That's what I said. And what I love <laughs> about the color pink is that it kind of diffuses any anger and aggression, like psychologically, mm-hmm. like the color pink. Um, so I love that. I mm. love that you feel like it's a toned down when you see it, like your body just mellows out. Yeah, it's it's a calming color. It's it's like like I was quite um, keen when my daughter was born not to dress her up in pink frilly dresses and things like that. And she was in gender neutral clothing or like regular clothes (laughs) for want of a better phrase for the first 18 months of her life. And then when she was old enough, I started letting her pick out stuff in the shops Mm -hmm. herself. So she and sometimes she picked 
picks out pink things or but you know there's never been a thing that pink is for girls blue is for boys I've never I mean that hasn't even entered her mind yet at the moment she plays with cars she plays with dolls she plays with dinosaurs you know it's whatever I have worked very hard not to inflict any stereotypes on her so for her the color pink is something peaceful it's something beautiful you know it, it has no gender attached to it that's so what I, I did uh, the same thing with my eldest and of course with my second now but it was such a big thing when I initially said this to my family mm-hmm. like I had my baby shower and I told uh, my parents my cousins everybody who was like close to me said do not buy anything pink I said I beg you buy white like I, I don't care what color you buy just do not buy pink they're like well what do we do everything for girls is pink go to the boy section it's okay I'm like, just, yeah, just yeah, do yeah. it. It's yeah. perfectly fine with me. And they're like, well, this is weird. I said, just please don't buy pink. I'm like, why are you saying that? I'm like, because everybody else is going to buy only pink. I'm like, and what stimulation is she getting from just the color pink? Nothing. Mm-hmm. Even the toys for girls, they're all different hues of pink. Where yes. the boys are getting the whole rainbow. Mm-hmm. So their stimulation and their focus is everywhere. And I'm like, what is happening? Like, I refuse to, to like fall in line with this weird mentality. Mm-hmm. so my family was like every time like it was Nora's birthday they'd be like all right you know how Meggie is so just like make sure it's not pink yeah <laughs> like no I, I had the same the same struggle here I think two years two and a half years later my mother-in-law still doesn't understand why I don't like pink I mean I I tried to um explain the concept of uh, consent and body autonomy as well a couple of times when it came to ear piercing and hair cutting mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I mean that was a lost battle I think we've just agreed that my way is the way things are going to be done uh, but yeah that was really difficult I'll tell, you, I'll, tell you a little trick. <laughs> I'll tell you a little trick that helps with the ear piercings because here they do ear piercings when they're just born I don't know if it started like that in Albania as well Mm. Oh, yeah. just born and within the first few months yeah so I, mm-hmm. I just I have a I don't know why I have a huge problem with this um I guess because I took that choice away from her in a way but also I want her to remember this experience mm-hmm. like this is a big thing it's a you know you're, you're doing something to your body it's, it's huge I did mine when I was seven six and a half and it was at my neighbor's backyard with a needle that was put on fire and a piece of onion behind my ear. Uh-huh. And I remember to this day, and that scared me from ever getting another piercing in my life. Yes. So I, I, the, what I tell Albanian parents is, you don't want your kids to have lots of piercings, right? So you should tell them to remember this first one and how painful mm-hmm. it is. And that's the only way like it goes to the, like, have, let them have the choice kind of thing. Yes. So to kind of dance around it a little bit. Like, they are now, like, her hair annoys like it's in her eyes it bothers her you know when I um I started taking her to the hairdresser when I go to the hairdresser she sits and she watches and like she'll ask me questions and then each time I say do you want your haircut no and that's fine one day she'll say yes I'm not in a mm-hmm. hurry if it bothers her that much she'll tell me she wants it cut you know I've also had a few issues with um I've taught her and she has also taken it upon herself as well to say no if people want to kiss her or grab her or t- like strangers and stuff you this know she's so very tricky. good at going going no 
no. And I, I'm guilty of finding myself apologize when she says it. And then I have to stop myself and say, no, no, like I'm, I don't need to apologize for this. What she's doing at such a young age is fantastic. Is setting boundaries, having control over who interacts with her. And yes, it does piss people off, but get over it, basically. But your reaction is exactly like what happens. Your reaction is the first reaction you have is what was taught to you. The mm-hmm. second reaction is what you taught yourself, what you had to shake off. So you have to say, oh, I'm sorry. But then you're like, oh, no, 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 wait, she's not wrong. So you have to yeah. like catch this. And we're constantly doing this with everything mm-hmm. with our kids. I still have a problem with this because like it brings bigger things with my parents and like our, our family, like, oh, she doesn't love me. It's nothing to do with love. It's just, I need mm-hmm. her to make that choice and to get yes. to that same level of love feel that you're at. But like yes, it has exactly. to be organically. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's very, oh man, this is like our toughest battle, I tell you. Uh-huh. It's really, but then on the other hand, you know, she she can tell someone no a hundred times and then out of the blue, she'll walk up to them and kiss them. You know, yeah. that's, and that, and they're like, oh, you know, and I'm like, you just have to let her come to you. And there was mm-hmm. at a wedding recently, this relative was literally chasing her around, trying to grab her, like pinching her arm. And they started mm-hmm. crying. And I had to step in and I said, look, just leave her alone. She doesn't, you have consistently ignored her boundaries. So she's scared of you. Now you need to leave her alone because you're not going to win her over. And she was really shocked. And she, I don't think she'll speak to me again, but yeah. you can't, say <laughs> you can't, you can't terrorize, you can't terrorize a two-year-old into, and inflict pain on them by pinching them in the hopes that they'll love you, you know, good on yeah. Dea. I hope she pees in her shoe or something if she ever sees her again. <laughs> I think that's been like so almost every Albanian's childhood that pinching, mm-hmm. that uh, <gasps> this weird smothering of love that you didn't really want at that moment. Mm-hmm. And people don't know how it trickles and it affects you later on in life. Mm-hmm. So when you kind of take your time to explain this, and this is what's going to start happening um, with our offices at Fresco, we're going to start having these talks. We're going to start having right. uh, these dialogues and invite people in because it's different when you mm-hmm. do it face-to-face with them and you explain it and they see your emotion and they see really what's happening than just putting out a, a little spiel and just hoping for the best. Yeah. People are mindlessly scrolling. They're not going to understand this. But if you have them in front of you and they see it and and basically you just start poking at them without any consent Mm -hmm. and just really violating their boundaries, they'll understand. Yeah. And they'll repeat everything they learned. And this is the only way we can have this change that we need to have. Yeah, it's so true. You know, if I went up to some random relative and just started manhandling them, pinching them, tweaking their nipples (laughs) and like, you know, licking their face or something, I wouldn't be invited to any family events ever again. No, no. So, okay, we could talk for hours on these topics. Um, but what's next for your initiative? What's what's in the short term? What's in the long term? Um, we definitely want to continue continue with the libraries. We mm-hmm. keep on uh, flip flopping with like as a team. Um, should we do a hundred? Should we go to one fifty? What is it? My biggest um, the biggest compliment we we receive is that. You have more books and better books than the National Library in Tirana, which to me is like, take yeah. that, you guys who tell <laughs> us that these funds are going to books, like take that. Yeah, um, yeah. So I am very, very proud of our team, Leolida, Joanna, 
Saranda, Nico, like I finally have a team. So I'm just mm-hmm. like so proud and, and so grateful for all their hard work and, and their trust in me. And, and, and basically it, it's very hard to find people who think alike, who mm-hmm. just really have the same, they're on the same playing field, but also wants to see the same progress. Yes. So we are, if you go to our offices, you will see there's a room for the LGBT community. Mm-hmm. And our initiative isn't LGBT based, but we're just trying to say these books are for everyone. This is mm-hmm. a safe space for everyone. If you're ever alienated in any which way, you have a space here. Mm-hmm. You want to get educated, it's here. Long term, we want to do workshops, we want to do language classes, we want to do gender based um, talks that need to be had. And we really need to do and undo the damage that was done to the Albanian man. what are you talking about it's time to it's woman's time no it cannot be woman's time without a man like without fixing what the foundation of that man toxic masculinity the the patriarchal damage that has been done it's but in a way like the way they they have they are now makes sense like you've only really developed Mm -hmm. 13 14 15 and then you had to just go provide for your whole family you had to take care of your parents at that age Mm-hmm. while you were still a child like these responsibilities then make you think you're bigger and better than you are and now oh i'm ready for a woman i'll, I'll handle her exactly how my dad handled her because that's all i know that's all i saw yeah. so what do you expect this is yeah, just yeah. something that just keeps on repeating unless we break that cycle and it's mm-hmm. this generation that's going to do it i hope so i hope you're i hope you're right i believe you're right because I honestly, and I've said this many times, there's nothing more terrifying than today being the mother of a girl anywhere in the world, you know, um, yeah. growing up in this age of internet and online harassment and abuse. And I mean, everything that happens in the real world as well. I try not to think about it too much because it's, it's terrifying. You know? I have two girl, I, I know. Yeah. It's, <laughs> you know, how am I going to protect her? You can't, you just have to give them as many tools as they as you can and hope for the best really i tell everyone work uh there's a saying and i'll be out that i kind of like and i like to always like super analyze we always say when some when like anybody took over albania it happened within and that's how they're able to like shift everywhere else. And even for us, change happens within. So before I even try to attempt to have non-gender talks with, you know, the world, I really have to focus on my parents. And I have to focus on my, my siblings. I don't have to focus on, thank God, because they get it. But like my husband's parents, his family, like everybody needs to be on the same page in that child's life. Mm-hmm. And then it can broaden out to the rest of the world. Because now I have these little messengers saying, oh, well, Maggie's doing it this way because of the blah, 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 blah. And it is gonna inspire someone else, hopefully. Or you can say, oh, I can't believe she's doing that. Either way, the information is out there and it's being spread. Yes. And that's what we need. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you a very quick story about um, me. Ha- so our friend, our common friend, Ramida, had a birthday that I hosted here meshed with books for Albania fundraiser, which was beautiful. And um, my parent, I told my parents, I said, listen, she's of the community and I need you guys to just respect, because I, I would never have this talk with my parents 
about, you know, the other Albanians, I guess. We never spoke about it. So I said, I need you guys to respect her and everybody else coming because I invited a lot of people from the community. And my mom was like, how dare you think that I'm not going to respect them? Did you know that I have a good friend at work? I'm going to do her accent. I have a good friend at work who is transgender. I said, what? I'm like, and you never said anything? She goes, she's just a human. It's okay. And I'm like, what? Like, sometimes we don't even know how our own families mm-hmm. are dealing with these things because we don't talk about it because really no one in our family is out or is in the community. So we never had to speak about it. So mm-hmm. I was kind of happy about that. I was worried about my dad then. I'm like, okay, I'll be in mail. Like, what happens? <laughs> I had invited Nico, who's part of our team now. And he, he he's gay. So he's talking and to everybody, everybody loves him. He's just, just amazing. He's in my kitchen with my parents and all I hear is crazy laughter. And I'm like, but sometimes, Uh-oh. you know, your brain is like, oh God, is everything okay? Is-? Yeah. And I go over there and I'm like, hey, everything okay? Nico leaves. And I tell my friends, I'm like, you guys okay? They're like, I love Nico. My dad's like, I love Nico. Where was this guy? And I'm like, who are you people? Like, who are you people? Like, it was very easy to introduce him to Saranda. I'm like, hey, this is my right hand, Saranda. She helps me with everything so far, da, da, da. Um, because she's just just infectious and, and just you know this bubbly beautiful girl but I had I had my little reservations inside with mm-hmm. like hey here's Nico here's Ramida but my mom's like we're adopting Ramida from now on if she comes <laughs> over she has, when she comes to see you she has to come and see me and I'm like I'm like where was this like I was so scared to like yeah talk about this with them I'm like why didn't I do this earlier like I was mad at myself mm-hmm. and my dad was like you know, there's a lot of things being said about these people. He's like, but, you know, when you see them face to face, when you are with them, you don't see anything wrong. Yeah. Because they're just people. I'm like, yeah, but that's what we're, that's what they're trying to that's, say. That that's sort time. of what we've been saying for a <laughs> hundred years. Like, but he's like, well but done. now I get it. He's like, now yeah. I get it. He's like, I can't go Like, uh, mm. you know, like the monster under the bed, like, oh, those people. And he's mm-hmm. like, this is insane. I'm like, yeah, I know. But that I'm like, this is the only topic that it really we talk about. They mm-hmm. are people. Like if they didn't tell you what they liked in their bedroom, you would never know. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, what? I'm like, do I ask you? Do does anybody <laughs> ask me what I do in my bedroom? No. So why do we care what they do? Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting. It was a very interesting Thanks. topic. Thank you very much, Maggie. I, I feel this podcast could go on for quite a lot longer than our allotted time, <laughs> which is great. But your this initiative is fantastic. Um, I'm really happy that I've learned about it. And I look forward to actually going to visit in the next couple of weeks some of these libraries with, with your team and to see oh, a bit more amazing. on the ground. So I'm really looking forward to this. Thank you so much again. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Explaining Albania podcast. You can stay up to date with our latest episodes on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and of course, Anchor FM. Be sure to follow us on social media as well for upcoming episodes and articles on Albania and the region.